Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. We are powered by Synergy IQ. Our mission is to help leaders create world-class businesses where people are safe, valued, inspired, and fulfilled. We can only do this with our amazing community. So thank you for listening. Hey there, Synergizers, and welcome back to a special episode of the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, your host, and today we ventured down to the glorious sanctuary room at the Adelaide Zoo for the Australian HR Institute event on the future of work. Synergy IQ were lucky enough to be a local sponsor for the event, and as a result, I was lucky enough to set up a podcast area where I was able to interview 13 wonderful attendees of the event during the mid-morning lunch and afternoon breaks. We chatted for a couple of minutes with each of these local legends where I was able to pick their brains on their thoughts about the future of work. Their responses were far and wide with some really great perspectives with the common theme that the future of work will be all about the people. Thank you to everyone who braved the bright lights and the potential public embarrassment to come speak with me and apologies to anyone who wanted to come on the show but we ran out of time. All in all, it was an amazing day and thank you to everyone at ARI for putting on such a great event. Before we jump into the interviews, Michelle Holland, Director of Synergy IQ, will just give a quick recap of the day. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit subscribe and check us out at synergyiq.com.au and Synergy IQ on all the social media outlets. Cheers. Synergy IQ were the very proud sponsors of the SARE conference this year. And there's really nothing that we like more than to support good South Australian businesses. And we know that our South Australian human resources people contribute hugely to that. As a participant myself of the conference, there were some great things that were talked about by the speakers. I must say I was really impressed this year with the state conference. I've been involved with ARI for about 20 years and have been to the conference a number of times over that period of time. And this year I felt that the conversation had lifted, lifted more into the strategic space, lifted more into organisational development. There was really great conversations around culture, around leadership, around who we are as leaders and how we turn up. There was also a real flavour of evidence-based understanding and evidence-based learning, which was dotted through most of the presentations, which I, as a research and data nerd, absolutely love that. I love to see things being backed up by real evidence and real information that actually proves that what we do and how we're turning up as leaders actually contributes positively to our organizations. The first session in the morning, I really enjoyed Hayley Loken. She was talking about building inclusion, connection and accountability. Hayley had a wonderful structure for being able to look at these three really, really important things in organisations. She also gave us some really good insight into how she works with the people she works with to embed these topics into the way in which they work. So she looked at the organisational structure as well as team structures as well as the individual. I really enjoyed Haley's conversation. 
The next one that was just I was amazed with, which because it was all evidence-based and it was all information-based and I was taking lots of photographs, was a presentation about the future of work from Govert Melink. Uh, Govert is from PwC and he presented the future of work report that PwC has uh, done over the last little while. So there were some real interesting trends that had occurred, some changes because of COVID, because of the changes that we have been going through as organisations because of our response to the global pandemic. I found it fascinating to look at some of the things that the PwC has uh, been able to find out about through doing some really great research. They do the future of work research almost on an annual or biannual basis. Um, but this time, obviously, with the changes that we had uh, gone through, there was definitely more concentration on thinking about things in a bit of a different way. I liked his structure and I love the structure of the future of work and it looks at work places and workforces and it also looks at work types so not just about one thing so the experience of work is work type workforce and workplaces and when they're talking about workplaces he's talking about the space that we use whether it's at home whether it's in office and uh, and all the different stats associated with that what the stats actually came back was that when the experience of work, so those three things are taken into account and we think about that, then productivity and profitability go up by 21%, which is just really amazing. So have a look at that report and, uh, and dive into that it was, uh, it was really interesting. I think one of the things that stood out for me as well was the conversation across a lot of the presentations about the work from home. And I think one of the things that really sparked my interest was we talk about work from home like it is something new, that it is the future of work. And really, it's actually the current of work. There's a lot of organizations that have been doing work from home or a hybrid model for years. Um, and a lot of people that have been successfully navigating that remote working. The other thing I think it sparked for me is that when we're talking about the impact of COVID, we can't only talk about the work from home versus work in office because that actually only covers a small percentage of the actual workforce in Australia. People that work in retail, people that work in healthcare, frontline people, essential services people, uh, people working in libraries, you know, people who have got a physical component to their job don't have the opportunity or don't have the access to a work from home model. So I think as HR practitioners, we really need to be very cognizant about the different types of work and that work from home isn't the only flexibility solution. In the afternoon, I really enjoyed the conversation from Rebecca Christensen. She talked about a, a real-life experience about bringing a people and culture strategy to life. And she also had a guest from Flinders University that actually helped her explain the detail behind how she brought the people and culture strategy 
strategy to life for a college within the university. Uh, it was really interesting. It was really um, practical. It went through all of the elements of culture that we need to be thinking about. And I really enjoyed Rebecca's uh, conversation. Chris Hewitt, he spoke, he was a remote speaker. And I got to say, you know, sometimes when you have remote speakers at a conference, you kind of lose track of what they're saying. You kind of check out some time. But Chris, he didn't allow you to do that. He is a communications expert. And for those of you that were actually at the conference will know that how engaging he was and the conversations, the, the stories that he told were just absolutely spot on. He's a uh, fighter pilot he's a poet he was sharing all sorts of information that was really relevant to how we actually turn up and have deep meaningful interesting conversations and how we lead change the last part of the afternoon was great because i had panels so i always find panels really interesting because there's a number of different speakers. We had a number of speakers that you'll actually hear on this podcast today talking about the future of work. And we also had a panel of speakers really talking about advancing your career as a HR professional. And I think one of the things that I found really interesting, I think because I'm a you know complete culture nerd and uh, that's my specialty area is when Peter Seaman from People to People was talking about the impact of and the changes of the global response to COVID on recruitment. She was talking about obviously the impact of trying to get people, trying to get new people into our organisations and we know how hard that can be sometimes, particularly getting skilled people. But one of the things that she went through was the research that people to people have actually put together on the list of what do people want? What are the questions that people are asking about the organisation when she's trying to recruit? The number one thing was culture. That was before the pandemic. That is still the same after the pandemic. The changes to that after COVID was very much around the second and third uh, things and the issues that people are asking about. So before COVID, people were asking about salary and how much money I'm going to get. After COVID, they're much more asking about flexibility. So I think it's HR practitioners, we really need to be thinking that if we're not working on the culture, if we're not getting our organizations and our leaders thinking about the culture of the organization and really, really focusing on that experience of our people, then we're missing out on a great recruitment strategy as well. We ended the day with Rhonda Brighton-Hall. Now, she came in again as a remote speaker, but again, Rhonda is so engaging. So it was really great to listen to her speaking about her experiences and her ideas around focusing and leveraging culture. One of the things I really loved that Rhonda said was this idea of what she called Sonder. And Sonder was really about 
recognizing that we are all unique. I'm unique, you're unique, everybody is unique. We have unique experiences and not to undervalue those experiences that we have, be able to leverage that. And I think for us at Synergy IQ, our mission and our vision includes our ability to help people be valued, safe, inspired and fulfilled. So this idea of Sonder, absolutely resonated strongly with me. I really enjoyed the conference yesterday. It was great catching up with some uh, colleagues that I've known for a very long time, people I haven't seen for a while. It was great being in the room face-to-face and I hope you enjoy the conversations that Dan had with some great HR leaders at the state conference. He asked them, what does the future of work look like? So listen to these guys and find out. Thanks. Okay, welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. I'm Daniel Franco here at the ARI event uh, talking about the future of work. I have the lovely Melissa Chipley's with us. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little about yourself, Melissa. What do you do? Where are you from? Uh, So I am the head of people and culture at an engineering firm called Shoal Group, which is based in Adelaide. Beautiful. And so just in keeping with the theme for today, what is your thought process on the future of work? My thought process on the future of work, I think the future of work is going to become more and more genuinely human. And so HR's role in that is really about humanizing the workplace. So we're seeing a little bit of that with respect to remote work, flexible work practices, um, but extending that through to HR policies, processes, inductions, the employee experience really, looking yeah. for ways to humanize that and make it personal. Absolutely. We treat our people well and the customers receive the benefit of that, don't they? Absolutely. What are some of the industry trends that you're seeing, Like, especially with you guys at the moment? You're very innovative in the way you work. What are some of the things that you guys are doing? at Shoal Group. Yeah, so uh, we're actually really focusing on professional development despite COVID. Um, So we're looking at ways to uh, enhance our leadership capability in all of the different roles that we undertake, whether you are a manager of a person or not. Uh, You might be running a functional group, you might be leading a client team, for example, but looking at ways at developing your leadership capability. Um, and we're doing that in a, in a really innovative way. So at times we're doing that face-to-face where we can, but with COVID restrictions in place, out of place, um, up and down, uh, we are looking at running those um, virtually, uh, looking at interactive sessions um, with some people in person, some people virtual, and a range of different activities that engage people in that blended learning experience despite all the disruption of what's going on. Yeah, beautiful. So given what we heard this morning with a couple of speakers, we heard about 60% of people want to stay home and work. Is that something that you're seeing as well? The hybrid model is here to stay? Absolutely. So we're seeing a lot of people choosing to stay home and work. Um, We also have an environment where some of our people do need to work on site given the defence classification that they're working with. Um, but it's something that people are managing uh, really flexibly. So they're, they're working out which components of their role can be done at home, which need to be done at the office, um, and choosing where they work that best suits them. And how does the head of people and culture manage that hybrid model, getting people engaged more often than not? Like, I think it's a hard one. Um, there's a lot of social stuff going yeah. on online as yeah. well. Um, but I think a really important piece is granted trust up front. 
So equipping people to perform well at home, that includes everything from ergonomic equipment to making sure that their internet connection is working um, and then granting them the trust that they will perform um, at home uh, as they would in the office. Beautiful. I won't keep you too much longer. Thank you very much for your time today. It's much appreciated. We'll catch you around. Thank you. See you. Okay, and we're back with V Collins. Welcome to the show, V. Thank you for uh, for being here. You're welcome. It's an absolute privilege. So tell us a little about yourself. What do you do with yourself? Certainly. So I am the head of people and culture at Renew USA. Renew USA. Yes. Great government organisation. Absolutely. And I've spent probably the the last decade um, growing up in industrial relations, and then moving on to a far broader um, holistic people and culture role. Well done. So today is all about the future of work uh, here at the ARI conference. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the future of work. Absolutely. Certainly, I think for us, it's looking at employees in um, their whole selves. So really, certainly acknowledging that they are humans and COVID has absolutely accelerated that. Mm -hmm. And looking at what does that mean, um, particularly for government, where we don't have the remuneration and all the benefits um, to engage them and attract them and retain them. So we do really need to look at, you know, what can we offer? And a lot of that focuses on them as humans rather yeah. than just as an employee, as human capital. Absolutely. I love the idea of looking at people as humans. It's the only way we should really look at people. Most certainly. Uh, the robots thing's coming, right, with all the AI? Yeah, Is that what... in, in some professions, <laughs> in some industries, absolutely. <laughs> so can you have you seen any trends lately in the industry mm. with, in regards to people, you know, from working from home or the, the way that we're using in the digital world? What, are there any certainly. sort of trends that you're popping up over absolutely and over again? Absolutely, in terms of leaning on um, digital technologies mm. and also just leading with data. And I think that's a challenge with... Um, many government yeah. organisations about how do you lead with data, but also in terms of the people and culture profession. Mm. And I think that's that piece where, you know, if we are going to be as PNC professionals, um, going to seem to have more credibility, adding more value at the strategic level, at the executive level, and ideally at board level, we do need to use data often Absolutely. to influence, as well as using digital technology, um, streamline processes, innovate, work better. Um, because, of course, I'm sure many of us um, can't find enough hours in the day. And yes. I think the workforce certainly relate to that. <laughs> Absolute data is key. Look, I won't keep you much more longer, so thank you very much for your time. Appreciate sharing your thoughts. You're welcome. Thanks, Thanks so much. Me. So welcome back to the podcast. We have Natalie Morris here. Natalie, tell us a little about yourself. Hello, I'm uh, Natalie Morris. I'm the Director of People and Performance at the Department for Innovation and Skills, and I'm also a State Councillor for um, ARI here in SA. So thanks for joining us on the podcast. Obviously, in theme with today's uh, event, we're talking about the future of work. What's your thought process around the future of work? So my thoughts around the future of work um, moving forward is about the skills that we're going to need in the future. Um, and what I've been thinking about is about the data and digital capability. Um, and that's something that we really need to grow um, within our school system as well as within our, um, within our workforce. And really thinking about, I've got two young children, so a 14-year-old and 11-year-old. And really thinking about like the jobs that they're going to be going into, I don't think actually are invented yeah, yet. So how are we going to be upskilling our workforce and upskilling our kids actually to be ready for um, the future of work? It's an interesting point. What type of conversations are you having with your kids right now in regards to that and preparing them for their future? 
So I'm getting them to think about the things that they're actually interested in and one of the big things that they are interested in is um, gaming and, um, and computers in general. So it's about talking to them as to how they can use their passion um, in terms of computing and gaming to be able to develop a career for themselves in the future. So you're saying like the future of works really love what you do, it's kind of where it's going to end up. I think it's, yeah, loving what you're doing, doing being able to thrive and being really um, passionate and, and I think also having fun as well. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your time today, Natalie. Much Thank, appreciated. Thanks, Daniel. Bye. So again, welcome back. We have Hayley Loken or Luck Loken Loken yep. on the show. I saw your uh, your talk up there earlier today. It was yep. very inspiring. There's a couple oh, of a uh, couple of good points and some key statistics yep. really coming out of that. Yeah, look, I think um, in our in our space, the the work that we do, we do sort of centre it fairly heavily in the data and the research that's been done, just to give us a really clear understanding of what the landscape looks like at the moment. So you're the director of IC Consulting. Yeah, one of. Yeah, one so of. there's five of there's us. Five of you. Yeah, and, so. and so what's the type of work that you guys do? Uh, so it's really broad. So um, anything from individual work like coaching and professional development, uh, 360s, through to a lot of team-based training, workshop facilitation, culture change projects, Beautiful. organizational restructures. Excellent. We speak the same language. Yep, all of that stuff. So tell us about the future of work. What's some of the trends that you're seeing and what are, what are your thoughts on the future of work? Yeah, look, I think... Um, you know, everyone's probably going to have a similar kind of theme when we're talking about the future work. You can't ignore the impact that COVID has had in terms of what the, the hybrid workplace is going to look like in the future. Yeah. Um, but like I was saying this morning, I think a lot of the challenges that we're facing in these last 18 months are not necessarily new challenges, but just we need to look at them with a slightly different lens. I think COVID has certainly magnified some of those challenges, but ultimately I would say that the future of work is going to be a, a, a continuation from what we're already seeing, which is more flexibility, more remote work, uh, different ways of connecting with one another to kind of do what needs to be done for the business. What's one quick tip that you can give us in it and how do we connect more with people who are working from home? Ah, uh, look, one quick tip. There's probably a few. I think it is important just to try and use the technology that's available to us to create those opportunities for connection, even if that means a, a you know a regular daily check-in, even if it's just for five minutes. Uh, but like I was saying this morning, I think some of the really important constructs within connection is not just about showing people that you care, but also showing them that you're curious about them and learning about them yeah. and asking questions. It's amazing what you do when you care about someone. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time today, Hayley. It's been great having you on. Thanks for having me. Take care. So welcome back. We've got Sally Wolford here now on the show from MOI, which is making work... Absolutely human. Absolutely human. <laughs> I... I absolutely love that title. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you guys do and what your thoughts are on the future of work. Excellent. Uh, we, so we do people and culture consulting, but slightly differently. Yeah. It's all about human, yeah. the human aspect of that and all about the people. Beautiful. Um, future of work. <laughs> uh, future of work it's is all question. about the people, all about culture. Those really happy, positive cultures. Um making sure that we actually look after our people whilst respecting that we've got all this new technology. Not everyone can adapt and adopt new technologies in every kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So what actually can we maximise? What actually opportunities do we have? 
how can we um, ensure that our people thrive, but also not just thrive, but really deliver some great outcomes for us. So you and I were having a conversation off air before about yep. <laughs> really influencing and getting the people and culture in HR world, yep. sitting on the executive C-suite table. How do, yep. we, how do we influence this world a little bit more? Uh, I think that's all about not just going in with that HR mindset, it's about the business orientation mm. mindset. How can I be at that table and how can I help influence business? Not just having your people hat on, but yeah. actually what are our strategies? How do the people make this work? Yeah. Um, so yes, it's about having a seat at the table, but it's also about ensuring that your voice is heard at that table. And Absolutely. That, that people culture voice is included. Well, I think in it's important point, have the, have the overview of what is the actual strategy here we're trying yep. to achieve and, and how do I implement this with our people? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. With the people, not at the people. Any trends that you're seeing at the moment in the industries with some of the companies you're working with? Uh, yeah, culture in particular, undertaking culture reviews. Yeah. Um, but very much so in the sense that the boards are being very accountable for the, the, the culture yeah. and how can a CEO and a board actually look at the culture um, and look at the opportunities that any review provides um, and looking externally what's going on as well rather than just sitting in your own little silo. So. Absolutely. Look, thank you very much for your time, Sally. It's been wonderful having you on. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> So welcome back. We've got Leslie Marchiara on the show, the lovely Leslie, Head of People and Culture at Sage Automation. Yep, Thank you for it. joining us. Pleasure. Now, Sage are very innovative in their thinking. What are mm-hmm. you guys doing at the moment out of Sage when looking at the future of work? Uh, all sorts of stuff, actually. So the, the, the key thing at Sage is that uh, the group part of the business is we've got a couple of different organisations. One of them is Sage Automation, which is about doing industrial automi- automation uh, in in our client with with our clients, but we've also got a skills lab business which is actually about educating people yeah, in industry 4.0. So there's a number of courses uh, within that that's actually about teaching people uh, grow, uh, growing their skills and and building them for the future. So um, that's sort of a a client offering, mm. of course, but within the organisation. Um, we're uh, in the process of growing the learning and development that oh, our great. people get um, with absolute um, understanding and as we've also heard here today that that's so critical for how organisations move forward into the future. We, we cannot stagnate with, yeah, with the learning. Yeah, absolutely. We saw that. That was some, some pretty sort of in-your-face statistics around how yep. learning and development and actually mm. growing our people, mm. especially with the skill shortage, yeah. is going to be the forefront of every business's mind. Yeah. Is there uh, is it sort of behavioural skill sets that you're looking at or technical or all the above? Both. 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 So uh, a, a, we're really ramping up the technical capabilities that we're, uh, that we're trying to grow with our people but absolutely uh, looking after the leadership capabilities as well. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've recently done is introduce a leadership capability framework. Beautiful. And the, the, the embedding part around that is uh, teaching people that leadership is not a position. Mm. It's just you're a leader of yourself first and foremost. Absolutely. And those leadership capabilities might look a little different if you're an individual contributor versus the leader of the organisation. But they absolutely are on, on all on a pathway and that it's important to grow in all aspects of your life. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of see it as a community responsibility yeah, to help absolutely. people grow in their leadership capabilities. So if I can 
if I can send people home to their families, to their partners, with a bit more insight of themselves and all of those things, you yeah, know, I've well, done a good job in the community. Yeah, <laughs> well, the ability to self-reflect is critical, isn't yeah, it? And just yeah. How do I not only get better at my at my job, but yeah. how do I become a better person in yeah. life? So. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we're doing Beautiful. all the bits. Well all done. Bits. Good on you guys, and Sage. Yeah. Thank you very much, Leslie, for the your pleasure. time. Pleasure. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Dan. Take care. Beautiful. So welcome back. We've got, uh, let me try to pronounce this right, Covert Melink from PwC. Did That's I get that right. right? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Daniel. So your talk today was uh, pretty amazing. There was some really great statistics in there about what the future looks like for work. Can you sort of, if you remember any of them, can you go through them for us again? I always say that uh, if you write something down, you don't have to remember it as <laughs> yeah, long as you can true. find it. That's true. What's one, of the, what's one of the critical points of the future of work that, you, that sticks in your mind? I think the change of the workforce is probably the most important thing, mm. right? I mean, the, the world is digitizing at dramatic speed. Uh, just look at the, you know, the way that we're using our, the, all the platforms that are around us all the time, mm. right? Mm. We're on our phones, we're, yes. you know, we're picking up emails, our cars talk to us, or we talk to our cars or whatever it is. All of that sort of stuff is moving really quickly. The amount of data that's coming at us from all of the systems that yeah. we have which is probably a massive untapped potential at the yeah. same time. All of that's changing. And I think that becoming au fait with all of that, where some of our younger generations in our organizations um, probably have that from, mm. the, from the get-go, yep. because that's how they grew up, yeah, absolutely. right? And you start thinking about what that means for, you know, for the leaders in, of our, leaders in our organization, it's trying to keep up and learning how to speak each other's languages mm. so that you can take advantage of all of the opportunity that's there. Absolutely. That's, prob that's probably it. One and 50, of them. 50%, right, na digital natives. Well, there you go. That's, I think there was a statistic that you had up on your slides, uh, which was about the future of work being 50% millennial by the time it was 2030 or something like right. that. And that blew my mind because you just think about the difference in language from, net, from that, what we're seeing and what we've seen in the past to what, the way we're going to have to speak, the social economic impacts, the yep. environmental impacts, the millennials are going to have this at the forefront of their mind. Absolutely. That's, uh, this is their day-to-day -day thing, right? I mean, mm. you, can just, uh, you can just look at it and everyone's always connected. Just walk on the street. Yeah. And everyone's got a neck problem. They're yeah, all bending yeah, down, yeah, right? Absolutely. Because they're all Me they're included. all continuously connected all the time. Yeah. That brings a lot of risk with it as well, though. I must say that I think that you know one of the key lessons that we've learned over the last eighteen months is you know, allowing people to switch off mm. and you know take the stretch out of the elast uh, elastic band. Yeah. Well, that has been very stretches and allowing them to sort of like take some time. And mentally as well as physically, I think is something that has been very much undervalued. Mm. Um, and we're now, you know, seeing the risk of what that means, um, you know, for the way that your organization can perform. There was a statistic that you had up there, which was about, uh, well, I think it was we're working longer, right? And then you did make a little bit of a joke about it, how we feel like we uh, need to work, uh, yep. you know, this sort of imposter pl place yeah, yeah, that we have in our yep. Uh, yeah. Do you think that companies are looking at, and with some of the data that you're collecting that leaders are looking at, actually it's much more beneficial having people work from home because they are working longer hours, or is that an incorrect way to look at it? Which obviously... I, I, I think that that might have been an initial reaction. Yeah. What I'm seeing now is that the, you know, the consequences of that not being able to switch off are starting to play through. You know, in, in one of the other presentations, that was, you know, she, she spoke about the 
you know, the tsunami of, of burnouts that yes. might be coming our way. Absolutely. I think as soon as that starts to happen, people will wake up really quickly that this is not just a gravy train yeah. of people working harder. Um, because, you know, if they fall over, that means that the people that are left are going to have to work even harder than that, which just increases the problem. Yeah, so absolutely. it's really being conscious of what that means. And I think that that kind of recognition is coming through. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your time today. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. We have Director of Synergy IQ, Michelle Holland. Hello, Welcome. Dan. Michelle, uh, the theme today being the future of work, tell us a little bit about your thoughts about the future. The future, the future, the future. It's interesting, actually. I was talking to somebody earlier about, I think, the thinking and the thoughts that we had before COVID about the future of work are probably very different to the ones that we've got now because what ended up happening through COVID is we actually saw a little bit about what the future that we kept talking about could be. Yeah. You know, this hybrid world, this online world. Yeah, the acceleration and we really, of the future. The acceleration of it, that's right, and it just came on. And funnily enough, I mean, I've got many friends that actually work from home and they have been for 20 years. Mm. So really working from home is not the future of work, but actually the ability to be agile and jump on to something really quick. That, mm. to me, is part of the future of work. So what I saw last year was organizations going, all right, we need to do something. We need to do it quickly. We need to put you know, Teams in place or Zoom in place or some online whatever it was in place to get it done and get it done quickly. Yeah. So to me, the really good part of that process wasn't the online bit and wasn't the working from home bit. It was the ability to actually see that organizations can move and can move quickly. They can adapt quickly. And to me, that's the future, right? That's so future. we have to have organizations, we have to have leaders that can adapt and they can adapt and move and shake quickly. So Synergy IQ is a consulting firm and you work with large corporate firms, especially in the strategic like process mm. of their people. What are some of the things that you're working with? Obviously, confidentially, some of the things oh, you're working with uh, with some of the clients. <laughs> and what are their thought processes around managing the people and making sure that their mental health and well-being is actually mm. front of mind? Yeah, yeah. So a couple of questions there. I think one of the things that we're absolutely working a lot with with people is um, uh, in leadership and really increasing the capacity and capability of their leaders and being really focused on doing that um, and not in the just, you know, we're going to have feedback conversations, you know, the old feedback conversations, but actually going, what are we doing here? Like, how are we tapping into who we are and what our identity is and how we turn up as leaders and how we make a change in this world, not just the workplace? So we're working a lot in that space. I think that's really, really important. Um, one of the elements, obviously, you know, resilience seems to be, you know, I would say word. it's the buzzword, you know, resilience and vulnerability are the new black. We're constantly yeah. talking about them now in workplaces. Resilience is something that we have to build over time. So the reality is, is that it's good that organizations are talking about that now because they have to be doing something with their people, with their business models, with their customers to make sure they are resilient mm. to change ongoing because the reason that we see these dips in mental health and we see the dips in um, you know negative emotions we see all that stuff through a pandemic it's like no kidding of course we would why are we not going yes of course we would that's okay because our people have got good coping mechanisms we've got good bounce back strategies we've got a resilient business model we've got resilience in our uh, in our coping mechanisms in yep. the workplace 
So that's okay. We can ride through that. We know it's going to drop. It's a pandemic for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah, of yeah. course it's going to drop. Of course it is. So just just on, on the point of uh, the ecosystem mm. of the culture, and how obviously you mm. do a lot of work in there, the, mm. helping businesses through their culture and the ecosystem that surrounds it, with everyone yeah. working from home, how does an organisational, how do you manage the organisational mm. change where there is a hybrid workforce and what, what challenges are you seeing from some of your clients? Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting thing. I think one of the conversations we started having right at the beginning of COVID was how do I keep my team engaged? How do I have, um, keep them connected? How do I, in this online virtual world, now we're having the conversation of, oh, you know, we were having online stand-ups every day and we were connecting every day and we were putting time and effort into making sure that we had an online you know, drinks at the end of the week or uh, communications, you know, and we've let that go mm. because we're now back in the office, because yeah. we're back now to normal, um, we're back doing the things we did before and we want to recapture again some of that connection. So I think this is a beautiful um, metaphor for what culture actually is because culture is not a set and forget. Yeah. It's an everyday, every decision, everybody thing. So it's not something that we can just go, all right, I'm just going to work on my culture today. I'm going to put a project together. It's all the time. Like we have to be thinking about what, you know, you said the word ecosystem. That's the important part. What are all the parts of the puzzle here that we need to be thinking about? The resilience, the vulnerability, the emotional stuff, the, you know, what society doing, where we're at, adapting our, our business models. We have to be thinking about all of that stuff when it comes to managing our culture going forward. So if we're not thinking about that, then we're really missing out on a great opportunity to indeed. do that. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your time, Michelle. No problem. Always a pleasure, Daniel. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks. Welcome back. We've got Chris Wood now on the show. Chris, tell us a little about yourself. Hi, fantastic. Thanks, Daniel. Um, I'm the ex-general manager of people at the Adelaide Football Club, having recently uh, moved on for that role, and about a 10-year state councillor of ARI, who coordinate and run the, the human resources events that we're at today. And you're selling yourself a bit short. Yeah, you're on the board of uh, Netball SA as well. I do. I, I'm... Um, I wouldn't say a sports tragic, but I'm fascinated <laughs> by the, the business of sport. Absolutely. So I spread myself across both elite and then community sport. Well, let's just dive into that. We've talked about a lot of corporate organisations here in this podcast so far. What is the future of sport and the, and the working organisation within the sporting world? Yeah, look, fantastic. I, I think like all industries, COVID has challenged uh, sport at a, both an elite level and a community level. Um, at an elite level, challenging the, the financial model that elite sport is based on which is, is fan attendance, it's commerciality, it's um, sponsorship dollar mm-hmm. as well. And at a community level, once sports stops in the community, the revenue stops going into those organisations as well. Yep. And, and financially, at both ends, massive challenge. I've always had an interest in the actual the players and how much they, time and effort they put into the, the people and culture aspect of the business. Are they really aligned with what the, the work that you, you're trying to do and, and trying to deliver and, and on, in line with what the CEO is trying to deliver from a strategy point of view? Yeah, look, absolutely. The, the players in an elite um, uh, environment are, are an absolute asset for the organisation to, to, to be able to stand up and represent your culture and your values and what you're doing as an organisation. And we use them internally quite a lot to align the organisation around a purpose and, and what we're trying to achieve because everyone likes hearing mm. from the leaders, the players, the, yeah. the household names. Yeah. Secondarily, we use them a lot in 
um, the community. When we take a, a player, yeah. we take an elite footballer, um, a well-known player in both the women's and the men's um, teams to community, people want to hear from them. They want to be seen with them. They're, they're an attractive proposition mm. and an asset that, that you can then use to get your message out. And those messages can be anything from, uh, particularly in AFLW, empowerment of women and, and ability for women to do what men do on yeah. the sporting field in Indigenous, enabling Indigenous players a level playing field in football, how do we transfer that into the workplace? So, yeah, certainly we, we do use them as an asset and, and they're a really valuable asset to the culture of an organisation. Yeah. The, the trend I'm seeing in sport is that they're really pushing forward on the, on the diversity aspect and really getting that inclusion. Is that something you continue seeing far into the future? Yeah, uh, sport look, leading the way, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think the interesting thing, as I said, sports is a platform that everyone can relate to. Mm. Everyone can play sport at whatever level. And what we've found is, is the attraction to sport gives sport a platform for messaging, for mm. messaging around social change and behaviour and who we are and what we do. And I think you see that with the voice that, particularly in the US, athletes in the US, their platforms are sometimes bigger than the media agencies. The, the, the shift and the change that, that players can do. Ronaldo and his bottles of Coke. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the NBA basketballers and the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. And then in, in Australia, the power of Eddie Betts talking to the Indigenous yeah. people about engaging and levelling the play, playing field here um, in work and social health and relationships. I think that's what we're seeing and that's important. Beautiful. Very, very good, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Excellent. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you. So welcome back. We've got Susan Sadler, the State President of ARI. Thank you very much for today. It's been amazing. It's been a great day and really happy that we can all be here together, Daniel. It looked a bit uh, decisive yesterday. I must admit, I've never spent so much time on the South Australian Premier's website. <laughs> it was the same. I was refreshing it every five minutes. It was a sense of deja vu yesterday when you knew there was an announcement coming and uh, you would just refresh, refresh until that came out. Yeah. And look, we've been really, really fortunate here in South Australia generally and to still be able to run this event today, um, I think it means a lot to the, to the HR community that Absolutely. we can still do it. And to be honest, you know, great for the venue that they can continue to, to get back into doing what they're called businesses as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So uh, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the future of work being the theme of, of the event today. What are, where are you sitting with it all? Yeah, look, I think, um, I mean, future of work, we often think about that physical location and, and whether we're in hybrid workplaces and what that looks like. I, for me, the key theme that has come out today is um, is really around communication. Mm. So uh, our fu the, the future, um, in the, we need to be better at communicating mm. and particularly when we're not in the same space physical mm. spaces each other we don't get to uh, observe the you know non-verbal cues that yeah. we're always used to so you do need to um, as Chris Hewitt one of our speakers said um, what we learned from the Spice Girls was tell me what you want what you really really <laughs> yeah. want I'll tell you what I want what I really really yeah. want and I think that's true we just have to um, we have to be a little bit maybe blunter and um, or, or, or um, make less assumptions, Absolutely. I suppose, well, in, in our community. You would have heard Brene Brown, yes, at some point. Brene being uh, one of her famous sayings is clear as kind, right? Mm. So if we can actually be really clear with our message, it is actually mm. kind to the person trying to receive it. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I'm seeing with my work at the moment is, um, and 
a huge increase in the number of investigations that mm. we're doing around, particularly around sexual harassment. There's still the steady bullying and harassment, but sexual harassment is on the increase. And a lot of, it's not that the incidents are more, it's that we're communicating more about yeah. it. We're being prepared to take a stand. But um, I think that there are some communication issues that are at the core of some of those things as well. Um, and if we are misunderstanding some of the cues... Um, then, you know, that's when some of these problems can actually occur as well. It's interesting that they're on the rise. That yes, the communicate, uh, we're, we're obviously feeling more comfortable about, you know, it's more front of mind that this is not okay and I shouldn't be treated like this in the workplace. But in a world where we are at home more and we're still seeing things on the rise, that's a scary thought. It is a scary thought. And I think, um, and what I've actually seen as well is that the behaviours that are being escalated, um, or at least that are coming to me as an investigator, are, are much more serious. So it's not um, it's not not that there's ever a low level, but mm. on a spectrum of things, they, they are really, um, really quite severe. So whether it's, um, some of them are quite, you know, are, are older cases, um, yep. they are and they are prolonged. Okay. Um, so it's a matter of, I, I suppose, that we've had the time to, to reflect and think and there's a lot in the media and a lot of support and encouragement now that maybe 12 months ago there wasn't for coming forward and, and speaking out about these things. Uh, very good. It's a good, in the right, good move in the right direction. Absolutely. One last question. What are your thoughts or where is Ari going in the next year or so? What's the thoughts of Ari? What plans do you have in place? Oh, look, I'm really excited about the future of ARI. We are starting to take strong stance in terms of policy. Um, so for the first time ever, established a, an industrial relations advisory committee, Beautiful. contributed to the federal government's reforms. Um, we are continuing to speak out uh, in and provide that sensible balance for employers and employees. I suppose the voice of reason is what we're yeah. saying that ARI yeah, is. And, um, uh, and also... Uh, doing a lot of work around um, mental health and psychological Excellent. safety. And I think that they're really important areas as well. So there are some of our policy positions, um, but also really focusing on strengthening the HR community, both professionally through certification, training and upskilling, but also um, looking after each other. Um, we, you know, we've learnt and been reminded very much in the last 12, 18 months that, that that is really important and that if we burn out, then we're not of any use to anyone. <laughs> Absolutely. So for all those listening, get on board the RE train. It's going in the right in the right direction. Absolutely. So thank you very much for your time today, Susan. It's been great having you. Been my pleasure. Thanks so much, Daniel. Cheers. Bye bye. Excellent. So welcome back. We have Andrea Subner from the Red Wag and Workplace Solutions. Thank you Hello. for joining us. Thank you. So you're uh, an expert in all things industrial relations. Tell us a little bit about uh, that world in in looking in, forward into the future. Well, I guess it was a really interesting time. We've just heard the speakers talk, the panellists yeah, talk yes. about um, their responses, kind of the agility, what they had to do very mm -hmm. quickly um, as soon as, you know, um, lockdowns happened and all of that. Yep. In industrial relations, we saw unions working with government and, you know, policy creators mm -hmm. and, um, and all coming together to draft responses, you know, to changes in legislation that was going to affect yeah. workers. So At a time when no one really knew what was going on. That's right. And typically and traditionally, you know, it's been 
you know, an us against them, yeah. you know, Approach world, them, yeah. you know, in terms of unions versus business or business, you know, and government and yeah. then unions on the other side of the table and the ACTU. So, um, and then what we saw was this pretty amazing collaboration. So, it was really, um, you know, really important for workers that that mm. happened um, because all of those changes meant kind of going against legislation, yeah. right? So, yeah. it was sort of, so even though employers needed to move their workforce and do things differently, there were legal constraints to that. Absolutely. So, um, so having those changes were really important. But then I guess now as well as reflecting on what has worked, what hasn't worked and what we've been hearing so much of today is I think, you know, that real move, that shift towards the embracing yep. of a really flexible workforce. Um, and, and that's what people want as well. And I think, you know, that works in some industries, you know, obviously in the yeah. caring industry yeah. and that kind of thing. You know, there's certain industries where that just doesn't work. work. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but I think, you know, that flexibility is really serving people um, and businesses. Are people becoming more productive with this flexibility? Or are they? Uh, are you finding? Are, we, are you finding that workload and uh, work stresses are going up and work effectiveness is going down? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I maybe maybe stresses are going up, yeah. but it, for different reasons. I don't yeah, know, yeah. but but I think productivity. You know, I, I haven't spoken to anyone. Um, who has found that their productivity is less, mm. but that is, but that, but that's with a caveat, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like obviously, if we're in a lockdown, or if you've got kids at home, yeah. and or if you're caring for an elderly parent, yeah. or you know that kind of thing, obviously, then your home environment isn't going to be as optimal as you know somebody else's. Absolutely. And then you know, and maybe that environment isn't. Or it might not be safe, you mm. know, for, for various reasons. Yes. But for Good point. but for a lot of people, um, you know, I think it is it is possible, and it is generally speaking, I think, more productive. Yeah. So. Excellent. Yeah. Very good. Well, we won't keep you much longer. Thank you very much for your time. <laughs> Thank it's you. been great having yeah. you and hearing your insight. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for very having much. me. All Take right. Care. Thanks, Daniel. Bye. -bye. Bye. So welcome back. We have Fiona McAllister, Senior OD Consultant and Expert in Customer Experience, working for Synergy IQ. Thanks for joining us. My absolute pleasure. Fiona, one thing that we are seeing with the future of work is everyone's talking about the people with inside of business, but being an ex expert in the customer experience piece, how do you tie in the future of work and what does that look like from a customer point of view? It's really interesting. I was thinking about this earlier because people are talking about employee experience equaling customer experience, and I think that that is part of the equation. But if one thing, uh, the one thing that I've been thinking about over the last year is that people are so um, so hardwired for connection, and that's been more, that's more demonstrated than ever before. Sorry, probably not the right language, but you know, I'm seeing that more in customers. People are saying that they actually need to connect, and that means they need to connect with your organisation mm. and your people. So, organisations need to be considering that and how they're engaging their customers. They're wanting that level of connection. 
The other thing that I've been thinking about is they also want to see progress. So it's not necessarily how they're um, influencing uh, what your organization is doing and uh, making sure that they're being heard. They want to see you changing your organization. And I, and I think that that's where successful organizations are going to be in the future as well. Customers see that you're actually making changes, whether it's an innovation, new products, new services. They're going to stay with you longer and you're going to retain their service, whatever that service particularly yeah. is. So um, those two things, are, I think, are really important. And they do want to, they, they want to be part of your brand almost. They mm. want to be able to influence that. Organizations, in order to actually continue that loop, um, need to be a bit predictive in the way that they're doing that. So using tools that are not just taking surveys for customers, because yes, that gives you great data, but it gives you it gives you customer data that might be a bit latent. Yeah. Um, you really need to be talking to customers and understanding them. You need to be really involved with what it is that they're expecting so that you can learn how to preempt what it is they're going to need in the future as well. So what's a good way that leaders can get their people on board with that thought processes of customer first? Or is, is that something you're seeing with all the clients that you're working with that customer is always first or do we have to really push that forward? I don't think it's explicitly with customer. The, uh, the, the, the key insight is that leaders need to get the people on board with whatever their vision and their strategy is yeah. and the values that underline that because the other things that customers will be connected to will be the demonstrated values of an organization. Mm. So they will be attracted to that. So you might have a customer focused strategy and that's brilliant. So, But you've got to really articulate that in a way that the people in your organization can connect with it themselves with mm. their personal values as well yep. um, but yeah that's it you've got to connect to purpose as always beautiful Faith thank you very much for joining us you're welcome <laughs> so welcome back we've got Lauren Lang from PwC senior consultant in OD space yep Sounds good. All good. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. You just come off the stage Thank you, Daniel. presenting what is, you know, the future yep. of work. You had yep. a panel. Yep. What was the general themes that you got out of uh, out of that chat? Mm, it was good. So, and today was really about for them in terms of practically, not theory based. Practically, um, uh, what are people doing yep. um, at the moment? So, I think some of the great things that we heard about with with Phil from Mighty Kingdom, which was the four day work yeah, week. Yeah. Um, we heard about sort of wellness days. We definitely talked around um, connections, so connections sort of outside of the digital space. So yep. whether that sort of be care packages or um, side conversations, but what are we actually doing to make them happen? Yep. Um, but these, I think, are some of the great things that people are doing in terms of um, moving back into the office. Great. So what about PwC? What are some of the trends mm. that you guys are seeing? Yeah, so... <laughs> I think, you know, personally for us, in terms of as an organisation yeah. as well, um, so personally for us as an organisation, the activity-based working, the hybrid sort of approach has always been there. Yeah. Um, but they're in theory versus culture. Mm. So I think in terms of the last 12 months has really put it into a culture perspective yeah, yeah. for us. With organisations, like everyone's struggling with it, isn't it, in terms of, you know, what, what should the rules around hybrid actually be? Yeah. So is it set days off or is it um, flexibility mm. or... Is it different things around um, flexibility, which isn't about leave or isn't about location? Um, so everyone is working through them. And it's, it's like someone asked me, what is the future of work the day? And it's different for everyone. Yeah. So it depends on the industry. It depends on um, the person. But I think the key things are around 
empathy and understanding of what's yeah, there, beautiful. yeah, what's needed. That's the key word. It is the key word. <laughs> that and pivot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our resilience. Our resilience. <laughs> um, but it really is around sort of actually looking and understanding and asking that. So I think one of the big changes we're finding is in terms of rather than a thought process from an executive perspective mm. around what we can do, it's much more of an employee-led approach. So yeah. what are the challenges or what are the things that they want and see? Because if you're not doing that now, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that's probably one of the big key changes we're seeing in some of the large from organizations. From a consultant's point of view, your, your staff are obviously out working with clients yeah. who are adopting a hybrid yeah. model. Yeah, yeah. It's even, it's even more disconnected, isn't it, really? Because you're trying to fit in within another culture. Completely, yeah. So how are you guys combating that? Yeah, and so, you know, like you've got particularly lots of the auditors who are mm. sort of, they generally have to go out physically on yeah. site and sit in a room, which did not work through a COVID sort of yeah. space. Um, it is about working with that client. Mm. So in terms of, you know, we have a we have a lot already and we have lots of clients that may have been um, more want you there next to them. Mm. But in terms of the more that they've actually gone to um, a hybrid model or working from home, it actually makes it easier and stronger relationships with people around the country. Oh, so yeah. in terms of rather than actually have the um, Adelaide team yeah. sort of looking at that, you've it's got a whole new talent yeah, space um, and a whole new talent space from all different parts um, as well as, you know, seamlessly bringing, I think, expertise into that equation. Mm. So there is absolutely the spot for the face-to-face -face and the conversation, the connection. But then able to be able to wrap that around with um, the talent and a team, which makes sense, Brilliant, not yeah. based around who actually can be yeah. in that location, yeah. has probably really brought a different approach, but something which is really positive to clients. Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you very much, Lauren. That's all. But thank you for, thank for, you, for being on the show. Thank you. Cheers. See ya. So welcome back. We've got Philip Mace from the Mighty Kingdom. Thank you, <laughs> CEO. Oh, Managing Director. Managing days. Director. Yeah. Excellent. So uh, you just got off the stage talking about the future of work. You guys do a few things differently, four-day work weeks. Can you talk to us through that decision? Yeah, I think that's probably the, the one that everyone talks about. We do, <laughs> we do a lot of different uh, progressive policies at Mighty Kingdom. One of, our, one of our goals is to create a, a workforce that's as diverse as the, the community that we live in. And yeah. so we had some pretty uh, high goals in terms of where we want to be, in terms of gender diversity, age diversity, a yeah. bunch of different metrics. So a lot of our policies are around encouraging a more diverse workforce. I think the one that's had the biggest impact would be the four-day work week. Yeah. Uh, if you imagine uh, as a parent, that, that day of flexibility is, it's is yeah, it's golden. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it came about for us during the, the year of COVID, yeah. the, that, that crazy year. Uh, we um, reduced hours at the beginning of the COVID outbreak to try and you know, get our workforce through, the, get the entire workforce through without having to lay anyone off. As we started lifting hours and moving to a really flexible working arrangement, we noticed that productivity was going up faster than the, the days that we were adding back, yeah, right? Wow. And, and to the point that we were seeing in, in, in five days of work, we were seeing six days of output. Yeah, wow. And that was the, the, the data that gave us the catalyst to try and run a four-day work week. We did a three-month trial of that. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that, we, um, we sat everyone down. We sat all our producers down. Those are the ones who, who, who sort of coordinate yeah, what everyone's yeah, yeah. doing and when they're doing it. And uh, yeah, sort of asked them the question, how's it going? Would you, you know, they'd laid out all the, the challenges that it had yeah. thrown up and all, and all the, the issues. And then at the end of that, we said, so do you want to keep it? And everyone said, yep, yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to figure it out. And 
And so that's uh, we were able to lock that in. And, and how does the are, they, are the pay still based on the five day full time FTE or yes, is correct. it correct? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We, we still pay a full time salary. Yeah, I mean, we consider thirty day thirty hours a week to be full time. Full time. So, um, we we pay the same as we were before, and we and we haven't changed any of our uh, policies or any of our processes around how we schedule or how we how we budget for projects. Is it the same day for everyone or is it... Uh, yes, no, it's correct. We, we, so we do Tuesday to Friday. Tuesday so to Friday. Oh, Monday. Monday. Who wants Sunday? to work on Monday? So Tuesday is the new Monday. Well, Monday's a new Sunday, I think. Well, Monday, well that's it. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It, is a, it is an interesting thing where... Uh, you see everyone complaining about having to go to go to work uh, on Sunday yeah. nights, and yeah. then it's fine. You I can stay, stay up and watch movies. Watch and a movie, yeah, <laughs> easy done. No, it's, uh, one of the interesting things has been uh, for for parents, you know, people with with young kids or yeah. kids at school. It's not often that you have a day to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I was mentioning up on stage that you've got the weekends with your kids. You've got the you know, usually have the week at work, and but now you've got this day to, the, uh, to, to from a mental health perspective. That's amazing, isn't it? Really, the, the freedom and the clearness of thought that can go on on that one day? Well, that's true. Or is it just generally running around well, doing those shopping and cleaning? I will say that the first day, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're so used to being yeah. busy that uh, trying to find uh, something to entertain yourself was, was, was quite Well, that's quite an interesting question. As the MD, then, are you still working or do you, do you force yourself to take that day off? So I try as hard as I can to take it off. Yeah. Now, obviously, there are, like, the rest of the you economy run still yeah, runs, yeah, on, the, uh, you know, Monday to Friday. Yeah. So there are things that we have to do occasionally yeah. on those days. But we try and limit it as much as possible. I'd say the, you know, the more senior you are, the probably the, the greater likelihood that you'd have to do something on a Monday. But we, we try and restrict that as much as possible. Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for no, cool. being innovative and sharing your thoughts. No, anytime. Appreciate Happy it. Share. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump on to the Synergy IQ Facebook and LinkedIn page, where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.